0: Hey, guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all speedy marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all speedy marts across Las Vegas.
1: Welcome back to the third hour of the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, r our 920 a.m., Thank you for listening. Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, Vinny Bonsignor here with us. If you're catching us on the Raiders app, we appreciate your time. Thank you for doing so. We're here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 10, and it's a full day of Raider Nation Radio. After us, it's Rich Eisen. Then from noon to 2, JT the Brick, and 2 to 5, Hugh Myers. Unnecessary roughness all day, all week here on Raider Nation Radio. 69187 is the Salmon Ash text line, and you can hit us up on Twitter at R&R 9:20 a.m. as well as on the Realty 1 Group listener line at 702-365-9200 here on the Morning Tailgate we broadcast live out of the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios and uh the we we see a uh, a list coming out when it when it dif- comes up to like best offensive play callers and Pro Football Focus came up with a list who are the best in the NFL and they put up their top 6 and for whatever reason Josh McDaniels is not This list, and we don't like it because from any other era over the past 15 16 years, McDaniels has been known hands down as an elite play caller, but all of a sudden, oh, not so fast. There's other names (laughs) on this list, and it makes us scratch our head wondering why, why, why. Back here on Marion Nation Radio, all right. So, if you put up a list, you know, there's a couple like names that are always going to be there Andy Reid, okay, the problem. He's a guy that's, you know, he's now like your dean of coaching. He has the most career wins next to Bill Belichick. Yeah, okay. He deserves he deserves a lot of credit there. But, but number two, Kellen Moore. Uh, time to pump the brakes on Kellen Moore, all right? <laughs> that's enough already. And then it goes even more. You know, it's like Byron Leftwich. Okay, you have Tom Brady to work with. That makes your elite play calling status go up a bit. And Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, they round out your top five alright, I'm okay with it, that, if that's how it's got to be. But Josh McDaniels deserves consideration into this, only because I'm thinking the way he was able to handle a rookie like Mac Jones, and still be 6th in the league and, and points scored, that says a lot, because the rest of the rookie quarterbacks went <laughs> down the down the toilet.
2: How's that yeah, no, <laughs> doubt about, no,
0: no doubt about it. Do that one more time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Go.
0: Um no doubt about it and uh and and also, you know, you you bring up the Tom Brady argument, people would flip that on you and say, well, you know, Josh McDaniel's had Tom Brady all those years uh, as well. Oh, for sure. Um but it's 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 when when you look at even with jo- or uh, Tom Brady and how they got it done and and the talent that they had and the various ways that they did it. Heck, I was covering a Super Bowl uh you know with the Rams against the against the uh uh Patriots and they won it on, a, on one drive that they had to have. And they, I think it was 21 personnel or 22 personnel that they used exclusively on this entire drive, uh, just to basically free up a couple of guys, uh, you know, Gronkowski being one of them and confusing the heck out of the the, the Rams. Lost track of Gronkowski because they put them all over the place out of the same f- uh, uh, personnel grouping, but lining it up a different way almost every time on that drive. I'll, I'll call it up, it was really interesting. Uh, then you've had games in which you know they've thrown it all over the yard you've had games where they run it up your you know what um the the, the ability to not just call the plays gut. but divine off design offenses and game plans winning game plans against that particular defense each week is also a critical part of this if we're just going to keep it at play calling I get I, I don't know but to me Josh mcDaniels needs to be up there
2: yeah, I like I said earlier. You know, six Super Bowl rings warrants to be put up in there. If they're just basing it off of last year, not historically, I kind of get it. Um, when you're out averaging at twenty seven points versus these other teams that are putting up thirty five, and you're basing it as offensive play calling, then that's where I guess I see the disparity. Uh, the just dis- you know mm-hmm. that word. And anyhow, it's. I think that's the matter, uh, the case in the matter there with this list. That's my guess, anyhow. Um, I might have to call up another interview with the PFF representative to ask them how they did break down and come up with this list. Because when I did speak to them, it's a very interesting thing uh, how they mathematically break things down, and it's this curve that they have in a system that is put down with points starting at zero, then minus two and plus two, and certain things get you a, a half point. Like maybe if you pick up three yards, it's a half point if you pick up a first down it's two points mm. so that's where I'm wondering if they based it off of their point scale and not so much just off of you know offensive output and all or was it a play by play issue where they're looking at um, like Vinny was talking about is it a lot of runs and maybe the the runs if you're adding them up on the scale you get 0.5 0.5 0.5, 0.5 for each run that's picking up three yards right as opposed right. to and that's one and a half as opposed to a seven yard run that goes and picks up the first down then that's a plus two right so how is it being mathematically broken down by pff those are things that i think we always have to look into when we start talking about pff now that we kind of understand the scale and i've actually been reading their website of how They break down things and where the curve starts like basically it's like uh, if you go to school and the guy that has the top grade is a b plus it's not necessarily starting at a and a 4.0 you're starting at sometimes at 3.9 or uh, you know 3.8 whatever you want to consider the b plus and then that's your your bar for where you're trying to rate the other people under it is starting at that b plus so it's like kind of confusing and he said they have a whole database they have a whole database that they take the output of the number and then they run it through to put out a number that says 88th you know percentile that way we can understand it so it's not like you're not looking at a number that says 56.9 and putting it against the the 85 grade yeah you can't do that because then
1: it's a it's totally different but the validity of these stats and this research Is it because, all right, so they downgrade running in comparison... Well, I'm not sure. I
2: was just using that as an example. They they, they they do.
1: Yeah, they don't put a lot of uh, emphasis on running. In fact, what they do is they they give it like a .5, Mm -hmm. and then in comparison to passing stats, it's like a a 7 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that's not exactly it, but considerably different from pass to run. And is that indicative of how successful teams are? The teams that run less and pass more efficiently, they're the ones that seemingly score more points, and therefore you are finding a lot more teams at the top of these lists that score more points are the ones that make the playoffs and maybe even a case in point like the Rams you know they they had you know as far as defense were concerned 16 more uh, 16th in the league and defense and mm-hmm. points allowed. But yet they were Super Bowl winners,
2: and they're you know basically broken down again by those the skews and by the differences, and it's a passing league now. Yeah. You know it is. It's I don't care how much we can you know, talk about certain teams want to run the football. If you look at the Titans, and that's their real only option to have a star player break loose is Derrick Henry. You know it's. <laughs> it's a passing league the rules have been designed to help the quarterbacks to protect the quarterbacks so that they aren't you know the unnecessary roughness calls I swear there were at least five of them last year that I got the opportunity to say I'm like what are you talking about he barely touched the guy unnecessary roughness you used to have to sit on his face and then beat him in the tummy you know now it's like oh no he touched his jersey <laughs> right. Yeah, he affected
1: his uh, direction. He had to move out of the way on the sort of roughness. Boom. Yeah, right there.
2: it's it's a completely different and world.
1: I
0: agree that it is a totally a passing league, but you got to be able to do everything. You got to be and and I mean, four minute offense, running the clock, preserving leads. You ha- you still have to be able to do. Uh, everything, um, and and you have to be willing to to stick with run uh, the run game, um, even though it might not be working initially to oh, to sure. break Otherwise, it up. Otherwise, how
2: are you going to keep a defense honest? Right,
0: exactly. So they the metric that they use where they kind of ding people for for that for the for using the run. I. I don't agree with it because I don't think the 49ers get to the Super Bowl that year if they're just putting it in the hands. Oh,
2: Raheem Morris was an absolute beast and so where they had like three different guys that they were rotating in at that time. So yeah. And I mean, why were they doing McKinnon that? McKinnon because that was their best option of keeping Jimmy Garoppolo healthy. He was always hurt.
0: And and yeah, you were you you knew what you had in your quarterback and you had to compensate for that otherwise you might be putting your team in a bad situation. So they got to the Super Bowl by being a I mean, how many times did he throw in the NFC Championship game? Mm. 9 times or something. I thought it was
2: more like 15, but yeah, it was Nevertheless, wasn't that many. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: And and so that to me that's good coaching. To me that's under if you're going to dock the guy because of the of how many times he ran the ball when that coach believes that that's what's going to win this game for us, I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't get the, the the thought process behind that. And then you know they made a mention of Sean McVay running the ball a little bit, almost losing the Super Bowl uh, because they ran the ball too much. But prior to Odell Beckham's uh, injury, they were throwing it all over the place and and winning. But then Odell goes out, and the the Rams are now down to Cooper Cup and a bunch of kind of nobody's at wide receiver at that point. No uh, Tyler Higby. Their tight end had already gotten hurt earlier. Uh, So they had to figure it out on the fly. And part of that was trying to run the ball and trying to extend drives and trying to Keep the other offense off the yeah, off the field. Run so, some
1: time off the clock. Right. He's like, getting dinged for that.
0: Right. I, <laughs> so, you know, um, when you look at it in a vacuum, oh, they ran too much. You know, if you look at the stats and say, oh, they ran too much. But if you're not taking into account what happened in the game and the personnel and all that type of stuff, I think you're doing a little bit of a disservice. Well,
1: Tom from New Jersey has uh, texted in on the Salmonash text line 69187. Um, this is good. This is um, this is Tom saying, this probably has nothing to do, talking about McDaniels, not on this list as elite play caller. He says, this probably has nothing to do with a Hall of Fame quarterback running the offense and McDaniels' offense averaging 8.7 points less without Brady. Right. And offensive ranking averages with Brady was fourth. Without Brady, 19th. Yikes, Clay. Yeah. I tell you what, it, when you're going up against you know the GOAT, it, you're going to get large discrepancies and comparisons with that. But they went from the GOAT to Cam Newton... To the rookie Mac Jones,
0: <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, you have to take that into yeah. account. It's not like you went from Tom Brady to the next guy, uh, the next great you, you know exactly. young quarterback. It was kind of trying to make do and 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 still you know uh, winning football games, especially in that second year. But now he's got, you know, I'm not going to say that Derek Carr is Tom Brady. That's obviously ludicrous. But he's got a. Really good quarterback and a bunch of great, you know, uh, skill players around him. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be, I don't think you're going to see that discrepancy um, again. And again, we go back to this what do you have to work with and what's the best recipe to win football games? And sometimes that means running it and extending clock and ball control and, you know, preserving your defense, not putting your quarterback in a bad way um, and, and winning football games that way. And maybe you don't score as many points as a result, but you're still winning more games than you're losing.
2: Yeah. And uh, it's a a matter of managing what you do have. And that's what McDaniels has done well. And that's something that might not be rated by pro football focus, but it has got
1: him six Super Bowl rings. It is pretty good. And I think maybe elite play calling really needs to go in the ability to balance out a game, because if you're just passing all the time, they're going to prepare for that. Uh, here's another one, uh, 69187, about McDaniels not being an elite play caller. Uh, they write in uh, sixth in points and 104 came against the Jets and Jags last year. LOL. Okay. Um, yep, his offense without Brady at almost nine points less over six years. Okay, it's a big sample size. No doubt about it. But let's take a look at this list when you have, like, at number six after Sean McVay. It's LeFleur from the uh, Green Bay, Matt LeFleur. We heard uh, from you mean Devon- Aaron
2: Rodgers. yes, yes Aaron uh, Rodgers. No. Hey. Is, is I'm caller. just saying, I don't know oh, how many uh, plays Matt Lafleur is really calling lot, out there. Right?
1: A lot. We yeah, got we got know. Hall of Fame quarterbacks on this list. He's you good. know what I mean? It's He's so good. great. But uh, but even Devontae Adams said when uh Matt Lafleur came in, it was really only about seventy percent of a new playbook that we had to learn yeah. because they were going back and picking up old Mike Holmgren plays and stuff that <laughs> they were already familiar with in the in the Packers offense for Aaron Rodgers. So, all right, I mean. You you can have left witch and and you can have you know uh, Kellen. and then Kellen Moore and you got some great quarterbacks and some uh, dynamic offenses but you know uh, Aaron Rodgers is also a guy that we've seen them argue on on the sideline saying well, it should have been this player mm-hmm. and it should have been that so I really don't know who, like who is the dynamic play caller on that team you know what's
0: interesting Heidi too is the the new Miami Dolphins uh, uh, head coach was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco Mike, but he didn't call the plays. So what like like where does he fit into this whole thing eventually you know I like like you got to figure that he's got a bright future in that regard
2: There's a lot of that in the NFL when you think about a guy like Tom Brady and and Josh McDaniels how much was who calling what play you know, that's it, sometimes you hear things like, you know, Tom Brady's called it or audible. You know, obviously, that happens, and you probably select from a sample of plays yeah. that were drawn up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that is something that obviously the design of the play at heart is coming from your offensive coordinator, and the decision making comes sometimes from your quarterback. So, that's another thing that when you look at that dichotomy and how it actually unfolds, right. you know, uh, you'll hear it sometimes, and you're listening to pundits speak on the TV or, you know, NFL Network or what have you or radio shows after the game that, you know, who made that decision? Who who called first and goal snapping? You know, these are things like you Mm -hmm. just don't know the answer to sometimes in critical moments. But I think that if you're going to, you know, I don't think you can take much away. Sure, Jags, Jets, points, all of that, I get it. I get where they're saying, okay, he was able to put up big points against, you know, weaker teams that didn't have it together. But did he win football games? Did they get to the playoffs? Did they get where they needed to be? Those are all important things that you need to look at when you have your coach at hand that is going to take the group that he has and work with the talent that he has to get them to where they need to be in the end goal. And I think that that's something that over time you've seen decades of Josh McDaniels' work on the field to know enough that he's putting that out there for the team.
0: You said it perfectly, managing and maximizing your what right. you have to work mm-hmm. with. And, and I think he's done a tremendous job of that. And, you move it forward to this year, and you look at the offense that he now has to work with, and I would argue in some cases uh, he's got more talent, like in terms of the weapons. than and he's, he's probably had in ever years. Had. Yeah, yeah. It's true, right? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 you know, obviously Derek Carr's got to uh, do his thing uh to be to be, you know, make sure that. That gets taken care of, but when you when you talk about the weapons that the Raiders have right now, that Josh mcdaniel specifically has to work with, I don't think that he's had this level of talent in a long time.
1: No, I don't think he's had this kind of balance whatsoever, and the talent where you're getting you know the best receiver in the NFL. But I think there's also a good point where he the the pressure on him is there to win games. Yeah, but it, it's not that he has to go and be the leading passer of the AFC either. He just needs to win games.
0: You're talking about uh, Derek Derek Carr. Hmm.
1: So McDaniel's game plan, I mean, it could be really a breakout season for Carr because nobody's really expecting breakout season for him, even though he did have an amazing career high in yardage last year for passing
2: yardage. Was he over 4,800? Yeah, 4,804. That's
0: insane. And I would almost argue that it would be better if um, that maybe comes down a little bit if you're running the ball more successfully. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that's, to me, I think the Raiders definitely need to be able to go into games and b- more consistently be able to rely on a, on a run game. And I don't put it on the running backs. Uh, that to me is going to be what they're doing up front um, and, and how they're scheming it up and and the type of runs that they have, because I think the Raiders have capable running backs And Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake and and the the guys below that
2: yeah and that's how you preserve your quarterback over the time too because look at Tom Brady now he's not throwing every now and then he will but he's not throwing deep bombs like he used to like Mm -hmm. you know he'll manage the game he'll have these mid-range throws is you know short crossing rounds things like that that they've been able to have success with but I feel like you know when you have a guy like um, for instance, Matt Ryan used to throw at least 40 times a game when he had like, the, you know, Julio Jones, Roddy White, all those guys that he was thrown to. And um, his arm now, it's completely gone, you know, and you look at someone like Derek Carr, who has thrown the football quite a bit, you know, in every, every game you're looking at at least 38, 35 attempts. At least, and, right. you know, the, I think you're going to want to dial him back a bit so that you can preserve your quarterback.
1: There's a lot to be said about this, and it's funny that this list doesn't have Brian Dable from the mm. went from the Bills, because everyone felt like he was one of the guys that was making Josh Allen a star. So it was really this list doesn't really, really count that. Dable's really good. Yeah, Dable's really good, and they were third in the league in scoring, but th- this list almost seems to suggest that even though they passed a lot more than ran the ball in Buffalo, that it was more of uh, Josh Allen's uh, ability instead of the play-calling ability from Brian Dable,
0: And at the end of the day, it is one man's opinion. Um, this was a singular um, byline uh, on, on the story. We're not taking anything away from him. He has his metrics that he's looking at and what he values in terms of a play-caller, and we respect that. Um, but I think we can, you know, not having a Brian Dable on there, man. That, that, he's, he's very good uh, at what he does. So uh, it's just a, a agree to disagree.
1: Six nine one eight seven is the salmon ash text line. Yes. We'll get some more disagreements. We've got we love the love letters that come in here. Uh 69187 as well as at R 920 AM. And you're free to call us. Let's get your thoughts at 702 365 9200 It's the Realty One Group listener line. And we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Heidi was over at Devante Adams uh, uh camp this weekend over here in Las Vegas. We'll get some sound from a QA from Devante as well. Your thoughts here on Raider Nation Radio.
0: Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, nine twenty AM.
3: I mean, this this offense has has a ton of potential. We got players all over that have made plays and have, have done a great job and been doing it for a long time now. Um, but the potential is, is nothing until you put the work in and we still got a long way to go. So we um you know, we're climbing right now, doing all the right things and um, you know, learning a new scheme and all of that, but um, you know, don't really matter to you to you go out there and really put it together. So, um, you know, Darren is is a hell of an athlete. You know, we talked about Hunter. You know, we got Josh. We got a, a lot of running backs too. You know, it's a, a lot of guys in there. I'm excited to see what Amir does. A lot of guys that that can go. Um, you know, make plays and give this this offense the potential to explode. But um, it ain't gonna just happen because we're standing out there. So we got to put that. You know, keep stacking the days and, and working. It's the morning
1: tailgate on Raider Nation Radio. Heidi, Vinny, Clay, and you, 702-365-9200 is the Realty One Group listener line. You can reach us here in the studio. We also have Devonte Adams coming back, talking about you know the sky's the limit for this offense. And we also have some Q&A from Devontae over the weekend as he uh, was in Las Vegas with his football camp, hopefully to become an annual tradition because it is awesome when it's here. But at the same time, you know, when we asked that question after Matt Derrick joined us uh, at the top of the second hour about, you know, the Chiefs' intel. What have the Raiders done to close the gap with Kansas City? Well, Devontae Adams is definitely an answer right there. Those are two words right there that helps close the gap for any team to go and try to beat uh, the top teams in your division. You go get a, a guy that's poised to be a Hall of Famer in the prime of his career.
0: Well, not only did they add Devontae Adams, but that move forced the hand of the Kansas City Chiefs, when you really think about it, with Tariq Hill. Yeah, it did. It, <laughs> it, it was a it was,
1: corresponding move
0: almost. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So uh, not only did you close the gap with Tyreek Hill uh, on the field, you also closed it even more by getting Tyreek Hill out of <laughs> Kansas City and out of this division, mm-hmm. uh, out to um, you know Miami. But also, you with know, when you talk, tech, yeah, yeah, exactly. um You know, so that so that definitely helped uh, in two ways. And and of course, bringing in a, a Chandler Jones. And I just think young some of those young defensive players getting better, uh, which I think as we've talked about, you expect. Nate Hobbs to get better and Trayvon Morg to get better and mm-hmm. divine Diablo to get better. I think, um, you know, Malcolm Kuntz maybe having a bigger, little bit of a bigger role.
2: He's the one I'm most curious to see. Yeah, honestly,
0: exactly. Yeah. I uh, likewise, uh, I want to see what, what they've got cooked up for him. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, whether it was going outside the building to bring guys in Anthony Averett and Rocky Yassin and, 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 those guys or just guys getting better, uh, and you, and I don't think we're out of line by saying, Heidi, that these guys have a chance to get better, some of these young defensive players. We saw enough last year to say, you know what, there's talent here, and I think that some of these guys are just scratching the surface.
2: Absolutely, and that's part of what we enjoy this game so much for they had so much capital the Raiders back you know starting 2017 on and and getting draft picks that are high level some of them didn't pan out we know that Um, otherwise I I think we would be having a whole different conversation (laughs) but you know um, now when you see some of the people that they've brought in versus um, some of the the younger players that are coming onto this roster. Like I'm actually really curious to see how Lester cotton pans out on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to watching divine Diablo become a probably even different looking player on the linebacker position, or maybe he goes into second or we don't know what's going to happen with divine. Okay. Because who knows how you can utilize a weapon like him that has played all different parts of the field. Mm-hmm. If you need to in a pinch, like a la Denzel good playing every position on the offensive line, you know, uh, back <laughs> a couple years ago. So it's a matter of, I think just learning this install growing with the team, developing that camaraderie and the chemistry with these guys and, and really, boosting up the level of play. And, you know, even with the wide receivers coming on, like we know what is going to be solidified between, I think Adams and Hunter Renfro. I can just see that, like just all the glorious rainbows and riding unicorns. But when you go down to looking at some of the other guys, like I want to see what happens with Keelan Cole. Me too. I want to see what happens with Demarcus Robinson. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like he was maybe overshadowed at times but you can't say entirely because there was also times where you know I think there was a suspension. He was one of the predominant wide receivers, and he didn't do so well in that spot. But who knows if there's a better scheme fit for him now that he's with McDaniels.
0: And yeah. Matt Collins as well.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, what do
0: we
1: got in Matt Collins, right?
0: Right. I, I I got a question in the uh, for, for uh, the Review Journal uh, mailbag that we do about Tyron Johnson. Uh, and he's a legit 4-3 yeah. guy. But here's the issue. You know, last year the Raiders kept five wide receivers, pretty much. Um, You know, so on the roster. So if you're talking about the five wide receivers, Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro, Demarcus Robinson, Keelan Cole, Mac Hollins, where's the room for a, 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 a Tyron Johnson? And he's one of those speed guys. I mean, if you're going to keep six wide receivers in in theory, you know, to have somebody that uh, that can take the top off uh, the field, which he can with his speed at least, uh, and be that threat. Okay, but w- Taken away from what position? What position are you going to take away from uh, if you if you do that? That's why like guys like Zamir White and these guys. It's just it's going to be a crunch to get them. You know, I Zamir White's going to make the team, but like, how many times is he going to dress out? When you talk about the roster going down to forty-six or forty-seven, depending on how many offensive linemen you keep, Um, and even at wide receiver, how can you I, dressing six wide receivers? That's a lot. You know, there there's going to be a numbers issue that that, uh, that 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 occurs, and there's a lot of talent, but there's only so many spots.
1: Only so many spots, and you know, uh, even like. Uh... Heaven, like you know, Demarcus Robinson's an interesting guy because he would watch McCole Hardman and Brian Pringle like get more targets. And over the years, are where you're kind of like uh, always a uh, a big part of this offense, but you're not getting the ball. And I don't know how well he uh, that sat with him, but he seemed to be at least like, all right, I'm gonna keep my head down and keep working. Yeah. But now, this time, he could be doing that as well as being a featured receiver. So I'd have to think like he comes in with a lot of urgency to prove everybody what kind of athlete and wide receiver he can be in this offense. 702-365-9200. The Realty One Group listener line, 702-365-9200. We'll get in touch with you here as we go out to Las Vegas with the living legend, the walking chronicler of Raiders history, the tireless Raider 66. Good morning, 66.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? What's good, up, good, good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I miss you guys. I guess I got job security with all this uh, air travel in the summer <laughs> here in Las hey, Vegas. Hey, it's a good
2: thing. But,
4: but it is affecting my time on Raider Nation Radio, and I'm not sure I like that too much. Boo,
1: but, we don't like it either.
4: I know. <laughs> but anyway, I, I love the, the conversation today. And, and how have the Raiders uh, closed the gap? I think the weapons that Derek Carr has and the person calling the play's has closed the gap a lot. You've got to look back to, I think, 2007 to the Patriots when they had Randy Moss to get a group of uh, skilled players, so to speak, that McDaniels has had that would rival what we've got now. I mean, you've got the top tight end. You've got the top receiver. You've got a top slot back. You've got a morphing group of uh, running back by committee. All we need is that offensive line to be solidified. And, yes, Derek Carr is not Tom Brady. He's not going to just drop down on any team and make everybody better. But – You give him the weapons, and you untie his hands, and he becomes Brady-esque. When those conditions happen, he is in MVP conversation, and that means you're in the top echelon of quarterbacks. So I I just believe uh, that Derek's going to have a a top here. Now, I called in because I love naming things. You guys said, you know, what's the name for the Waller Ren Pro Adams group? Well, how about there's uh, been a proliferation in the uh, AFC West this year, uh, an arms race, so to speak. So what better than maybe – Agents of War. And they pick out War because it is an acronym for Waller, Adams, oh and Renton.
1: You, wow. You're amazing.
4: And you can have the poster, maybe go down to Nellis Air Force Base. You can have those guys sitting around, you know, one guy on the ladder going into the cockpit, maybe one guy in the cockpit sitting in one of these fighter jets <laughs> and put Agents of War over it. I oh, think that would be awesome. yes. It'd be a great
1: seller. Oh, 66. Uh, the, the stuff that you come up with is absolutely gold. I love that. The Agents of War. I could already yeah. see a poster in my bedroom. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I can I'll hang that thing up. I love it. You guys have a great day and go Raiders.
1: Love it. A dino see what he did there. I like it. Wow. Waller Adams Renfro. Very, very good. And also, Fargo Raider attached something to this as well. Right, Heidi? Uh, Yeah.
2: Fargo Raider commented
1: on this. uh, I think it was on Friday.
2: It it was actually today um, today? when I brought it up. Yeah, about an hour ago, he wrote. Okay, you're going to laugh at me because I don't know how to pronounce it. Cerberus? Cerberus? Cerberus. Cerberus. The Hounds of Hades. Yes, the three headed dog
1: that guards the uh, gates the of hell. Not the one in
2: Harry Potter that was made for PG, <laughs> but the one that's yeah. scary with fire breathers and like the, the way that he sent the picture, it looks like it's going over the world. Like there's a small little city. It looks like maybe Washington, D.C. I don't know, maybe he's coming out of the gates of hell. I'm just trying to make sense of the photo.
1: Anyway, those, those are scary pictures. Those early renditions of, yeah. of what Cerberus looks like. Remember the dogs in
2: Ghostbusters, and the you know Rick Moranis mm-hmm. and uh, like Weaver were dogs. Gozer. Yeah, they look like that, except for they mushed them into a whole man, a whole dog body thing
1: which is better than that uh the a harry Sir potter one where they had like Sir a three-headed pomeranian purse. you know it's yeah <laughs> it was almost <laughs> like oh sweet give oh a god treat. i uh, lived
2: next to a pomeranian <laughs> for seven years and it was the worst experience of my life i'll never buy a chihuahua <laughs> or a pomeranian or any small dog that yaps i i, I was like doggy want some chocolate i never fed it the chocolate but I thought maybe about it once.
1: So, uh, Travis from Channel 13 says it's <laughs> Cerberus. Uh-huh. You were Sir-bur-us. right. Cerberus. I will
2: stay quiet. Okay. You know are
0: Raider 66 also brought up? MVP. Yes, he did.
2: MVP. How but...
0: crazy oh. would it be? And I'm not ruling it out either. Especially if everybody stays healthy. That Derek Carr will be in the MVP discussion at the end of this year.
1: He Heidi. was third in MVP voting in 2016. It's very, very possible.
2: I don't like getting all over the top on those kinds of conversations too early. We were. That's how I am.
0: The, yeah. After the first, what? Four. I just
2: think it's. I think it's too premature. I, I don't like to say it. I don't it, want to jinx anything. Is you it know, possible? What if somebody got is injured? Is possible? What it, eh.
0: No. We're, 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 let's just assume that everybody. Not stays if you're out.
2: spiking the ball in first and goal in a playoff game. Yeah. if you're not spiking the ball in a first and goal in a playoff game, then sure, that
1: has to get corrected.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. We still <laughs> don't
0: know who made that decision, though. Yeah,
2: that's the problem. That's a problem. Yeah, um, but, you know, I'm just a, saying. And you
1: can. I
0: still think. Got to win look, a playoff. You game. can look both ways at that situation. Got to win a playoff to game. Stop the clock. Give yourself three plays to score a touchdown. You know,
1: if he's winning playoff games, he'll probably be the guy that gets all the credit for it. Most quarterbacks do. Yeah. But also, don't MVPs
0: regular season? When, do, when does that voting end? I, f- I always forget when. Yeah.
1: Uh, and end of regular season. Yeah. yeah.
0: So um, I, I just think that if everybody stays healthy, the Raiders have a quarterback that is capable of being in that conversation at the end of the year. I truly believe
1: that. Hey, real quick, before we, we uh, take a break, I want to talk about the Devontae Adams stuff that you were able to yeah. see this weekend. You know, and it's, I just want to say it's important just to, you know, living here after all these years, you know, 25 years I've lived in Las Vegas. When you have professional athletes doing camps, uh, it, it means the world to a student athlete, you know, uh, environment out here when that happens because it never has before. So when it does happen, it, it really is resounding. Darren Waller did some great stuff even during, uh, you know, coming out of the COVID year yeah. where he was allowing, you know, camps to happen. And I thought that was fantastic because um, for the student athletes out here, they dream big, but they never have the access in front of professional athletes, but you were there. It was a beautiful day. It was something in which, you know, 150 kids ages 6 to 16 were there and they took place on uh, for doing 7-on-7s seven and other drills.
2: Yeah, that's the thing when you start looking to it. Um like you were just saying, with the opportunities that these kids get in this town. So, so many of them never had this before. You know, they never had the opportunity to say, I got to work out on the Raiders headquarters field like those kids that did the Nike 11 mm-hmm. on event did. Or I got the chance to have Devonte adams throw me a football and give me tips on a route run nice. he was doing that with the kids he walked up there's a gr- kids were age six to 16 he was going up to some of the kids and like there was this girl and her eyes were just so bright getting the opportunity i, I think she might have been in the eight or nine year old group and she really wanted that football i i was looking at her and kind of oh, a little so glow great. about it but she <laughs> uh, and then he went and he talked directly to her She ran the route the first time, didn't get the ball that he was trying. to, And the whole time, everyone knew he was going to target this girl. Like uh, It was no contact, (laughs) so that was a good thing. But And she didn't catch it on the first time. She didn't get the end of the route done. And she was supposed to angle off, but she didn't. And uh, so the second time around, I think he talked to her again when she came back and told her the tips. I couldn't quite hear him, but he gave her the tips again. And she went back out. She ran the run. She made the cut. And then she caught the football. It, like, was just, oh. it was just—it was just—it was one of those oh <laughs> moments. Good, you know, good awesome. on them. And so he really worked with each kid. Uh, you, you see the name sometimes is there on these things, but maybe they give a speech, maybe they just kind of oversee it. and They're not involved. He, this man went out there, had a smile on his face the whole time. The one thing I can tell Raider fans is Devontae Adams is genuine. Yeah, a genuine human being, and that it, it was great to see that out in the field that he really worked with every group of kids. There was a kid that had shades 17 into the back of his head. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It was awesome. And he worked with him, too. He gave him the high fives and all that. That made that kid's whole, like, probably youth. It would make my whole youth if I ever got to meet one of those. And
0: these are kids that are going to grow up Raider fans now. And that's Mm -hmm. the importance of reaching out to the community and being a part of the community. And I know that, you know, last year when people would look on TV and say, oh, there's a lot of brown, whatever you know, Bears fans in the stands and da-da-da, we all get it. We all understand that, you know, that's going to be the case in Las Vegas sometimes because it's a great city to come to. But when you talk about, well, Las Vegas is this team's town or that team's town because there was no team here for the longest – that's going to change in time over the years. And this is where it starts, those camps that the Raiders do, the 11-on-11 11 11 tournaments that they do, mm-hmm. all, everything that they're doing out in the community, especially at the elementary and middle school level, those kids grow, will grow up now, many of them, to be Raider fans, and so on and so forth. And and pretty soon you're going to see this town. And we're just starting. That's the whole thing. You know, you can't – everyone likes to judge like right now. Oh, you know, uh, it's this way. But – it's gonna be it's this way now, but man, in five ten years, wait till you see how big the Raiders truly are in their hometown. We know Raider Nation runs long, deep, far, but here locally, it's gonna it, it, it's gonna reflect what it is nationally, and it just takes a little bit of time.
1: Devonte Adams spoke with the media doing a QA that happened over the weekend. This is uh Devontae Adams when he was asked about the camp and how excited he is to be here in Las Vegas.
3: This is this is what I look forward to as a kid, having these type of opportunities, which wasn't very often, but anytime you had the opportunity to meet somebody you know you look up to or whether it's in life or in, in football or whatever, I just feel it's important for me to be able to connect, um, you know, let the community that's gonna be supporting me um, know that I got their back too. So out here just to have fun with these kids, around, run around a little bit. We got a little overcast, so that's good, too. You know, stay get away from some 100-degree weather, so, yeah, looking forward to it.
2: And uh, you noted real quick, you know, that this is something that doesn't really happen a lot. You know, when you were a kid, are there any camps that you remember going to, guys kind of giving back that, you know, made you want to do something like this?
3: Well, not necessarily the uh, camp in the area that I was at, but, you know, I got to meet J.J. Uh, J. Stokes when I was younger, and I remember that that stuck with me. That was something that I, I'll never forget. You know, that was, that was my first NFL player that I met, so... A lot of these guys they are guys and girls haven't had the opportunity to, you know, meet somebody, you know, let alone somebody that's new to their community like this. So it's a big deal to me and I know it's a big deal to them.
2: And I know you're still, you know, you're not one of the older guys in the league, but have you had any kids maybe have been in your camp? I know it goes up to sixteen. So yeah. you've been in the league what, eight years?
3: Going on nine, yeah.
2: yeah. So has anybody come up to you like, hey, man, I was at one of your camps when I was, like,
3: really young? Or? Yeah, 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 no, I've, I've heard that. Um, I've, I used to do one in, in Cali when I was out there. did it maybe, I think, four years. Um, but I'll run to kids all the time just around say, I went to your camp, but when is your next camp or this and that. So just hearing that makes me, you know, it kind of confirms my feeling for wanting to do it in the first place. So um, looking forward to keeping it going. We've got a great out in the day. Like I said, great weather, so everything's shaping up to be a good day.
2: The main thing that
3: you hope that the kids take away from this today? Um, I mean, more more so than anything, the the fellowship. You know, come out here and have fun, interact with the you know the rest of the kids, you know, compete, just just to ha- just have fun. So, um, you know, it's, it's not not gonna be nothing too serious. It'll be something just to run around, you know, exercise and you know. It's good for the, the young young kids to see that you know exercise is fun as well because that's that's one of the bigger things I feel like we need to to do more you know especially you know where we are now so um, just have fun like I said come out and, and just just let loose I'm gonna be out here having fun with them messing around with. so um, hopefully they have a, they have a good time.
1: That's Heidi Fang from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Thanks to the Review Journal for letting us uh, uh, air that. That was a uh, that's really cool because he sounds like you know somebody that genuinely loves to do the camps. He loves to uh, see everybody, uh, you know, come out and support it from the young to the to the teenagers. But at the same time, you know, in your story up at uh, at the Review Journal and VegasNation.com, he said uh, he, when he spoke to them, he talked about, you know, make improvements but not excuses. And so it was more than just, you know, physically getting out there. He was actually trying to do a little bit of a mentorship to at least say there's a direction in life. Mm-hmm. And regardless if you're going to be an athlete, you have to start making up your mind to where you're not going to allow excuses to hold you back.
2: Yeah, that was my favorite that he said that. The last question that we didn't get to there um, was asked by somebody else that was there, for I think, from the Raiders or from Flex Work Management that put it on. Um, he had said, you know, this is to me that what I'm trying to pass on that's his motto something he wants other people to learn and somebody once i put that uh, quote up on twitter and somebody wrote back like man that doesn't just apply to 9 year olds i'm using that today yes. <laughs> make improvements not excuses Definitely. so yeah and and to that if that all works out yeah sure you can throw dc in the mvp conversation i'm not trying to like say that it's not possible but there's i think a lot of things that need to happen in order for that to take place especially when you're talking about such a loaded division where so many projections are putting the Raiders to to finish last. That's not to say that they will. It's just say I think a lot of the odds are going to be stacked and a lot of the things that, that we're looking at going into this season are going to be an uphill battle for the Raiders. So I think it's going to be a real tough get, you know, as much as we look at this offense and say, well, that's great. It's going to be a very tough road, I think.
1: we're going to take a break here and uh, we'll allow you to get a chance to reset the phones and call in for the two tickets to see Joe Rogan at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Heidi and I used to cover uh, UFC like in the infancy when there would be matches at the Mandalay Bay and Joe would do a little stint at the House of Blues. Yeah. He'd do like a one hour stand up. Yep. Grand Garden Arena, (laughs) tickets are available (laughs) at AXS.com
0: for Friday, July 1st. That's awesome. By the way, Q Myers from uh, Unnecessary Roughness texted. He was listening when we were talking about Patrick Graham. He said, don't forget... Patrick Graham also puts an emphasis on stopping the run, which is a little bit different than what Gus Bradley uh, uh, did as well. So oh, that's yeah. something mm-hmm. to keep in mind when you're looking at this Raider defense and how, it might, how different it might be uh, under Patrick Graham compared to Gus Bradley. Uh, by the way, just want to let everyone know it's your time to buy or sell a home in the Realty One group wants to be the ones to be part of your story. Yep. Yeah. The housing market is hectic, we all understand it, but it's still a great time to sell and even buy the home, buy the house of your dreams. You'll need a hardworking real estate professional to get it done, though, and they've got you at the Realty One Group. They know the market, they know uh, how to make deals, how to get deals done, the transactions, all of that good stuff, and they've been doing this for a long time. Uh, going on 11 years here in Las Vegas, they've been opening doors for clients and opening doors for real estate professionals to live better lives. Also, and this is really important, they're proud to give back to the community. They donate their time and resources to make a true impact here in Las Vegas and they've been doing that for more than a decade. So whether you're selling or buying, please call the Realty One group today at 888-461-0101. That's 888-461-0101.
3: Model Something I came up with after early on in my career that I didn't, you know, I, I didn't have as much success early on. You know, it's to it's to make improvements, not excuses. So that's my thing. You know, it's, it's, there's a million things you can say to make yourself feel better about not, you know, reaching a certain level or not, um, you know, holding yourself up to your own standard. But um, as long as you just make improvements and don't make excuses, I feel like that's that's the best way to go.
1: Thanks to the Review Journal for the use of the sound from Devonte Adams football camp from over the weekend here on Raider Nation Radio. Just a couple minutes in uh, some up and uh, Raider Jan Monterey from the text line says, I love Raider 66 and the juice he always brings. I got to go with the dogs of war because those boys are some dogs. From the 831, thank you, Raider J and Monterey. And uh, Robin Oakland says, I appreciate PFF's data, analysis, and content, but we can only analyze what we measure. And among other deficiencies, I don't think PFF has a metric for great play callers setting up defensive coordinators and defensive players for knockout plays at the end of the game, great stuff, Rob in Oakland. Yeah, the the PFF doesn't measure a quarterback drawing a safety's eyes off the ball and uh, in drawing up coverages.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and also, how many times the play gets called, gets changed at the line of scrimmage too? So oh, that's true. Yeah, you know, um, talked last week about uh, defensive coordinators defending Drew Brees and Sean Payton first Sean Payton, but then the reality of it is what's what's Drew Brees seeing at the line of scrimmage and what's he going to move? So you so when you play great quarterbacks. You're, de- you're defending the tendencies of the play caller, but also what the quarterback might change to at the line of scrimmage. So there's no measuring that either. You can't tell if you're pro football focused whether that play got changed or, or what happened there.
2: Yeah, I think, again, uh, I wanted to do this article with my um, disclaimer voice. A team with a really good quarterback, offensive line, and wide receivers should have high expected points added EPA and a success study, figuring going into a play, and therefore coach needs consistently outpaces the expectations to have a high play caller rating. Opponent-level factors are also built into expectations to account for easier or more difficult schedules. So this basically is telling me that it's all a whole bunch of malarkey when it comes down to it, because they don't even have, like, really, like... It's all based off of the skewed stuff that was put into their system. And it's they like, made up. Yeah, yes. and they're saying they, they, like Shanahan and McVay, left a lot on the field. But yeah, okay. They've made Super Bowls and playoffs consistently. So it's, they're, oh, they're not Jared even Goff, on the list a year ago. Jared Goff
0: is a quarterback. And-
2: I love the disclaimer voice. This is good. All right. We'll wrap it up for today.
1: Coming up next, it's Rich Eisen, then JT The Brick, and Q Myers here on Raider Nation Radio. For Vinny, for Heidi, I'm Clay. Have a great day, everybody.